Tell you what, this morning, if it's not well with your soul, it can be. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. Uh, I can't guarantee that you'll have good finances. I can't guarantee that you'll have good health. But I, I know the great physician, and I, I know the one that can, can help you in all your troubles and trials of life, and one that can make it well with your soul. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, your soul is what matters this morning. Amen. And so we're, we're going to take a look at some things, if the Lord being our helper, and I appreciate the Sunday school lessons, and appreciate the devotion this morning, and uh, to be honest with you, I could have went either direction uh, as to what I have been uh, thinking and studying on, uh, just by what was said and done in the devotion uh, and in the Sunday school hour. Uh, but I took a few moments and went to my study downstairs and just talked to the Lord and tried to figure out just exactly the direction he would have us to go. And I feel certain that we are moving in the right direction. So I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, go to John chapter number 6. Uh, now we're going to encompass a whole lot of things in this chapter. And we're not going to endeavor to read the whole chapter but we're going to have to look at the context of the entire chapter to get what it is that the Lord uh, wants us to see this morning, all right? So you just uh, bear with us and pray for us that the Lord will help us. And then uh, for those of you this morning that are saved by the grace of God, won't you be praying as well that the Lord would touch maybe that one that's lost and undone and don't know him in the free pardon of sin, all right? John chapter number six, stand with us, if you will, for the reading and reverence uh, of the word of God. John chapter number 6, going to take our reading in uh, verse number 41. The Bible said, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. John 6 and 42 says, and they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? You can be seated. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we need your help this morning. We need you to touch us. We need you more than we ever have, just as we always need you when we preach. And Lord, you've laid these scriptures on our heart, and we, you know what you want to do with them. And I just pray you'd help us, Lord, this morning. I thank you this morning that it's well with my soul. And Lord, for that one that cannot say that, that does not see that, maybe not even, not even understanding the, the seriousness or the situation of their soul, I pray God you'd help us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, John chapter number six and verse number two, the Bible says, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles. I want you to notice that first and foremost. Uh, there was miracles being done in the days of Jesus, in these uh, last days of his life, the last three and a half years or so of his life we find to be uh, the years of his ministry. And uh, so we know that Jesus, because he's working miracles and doing miracles, it has caught the attention of people. Now you would agree with me this morning uh, that uh, Jesus... Uh, was uh, God in the flesh, but Jesus didn't always have a following. Jesus was seen by man as any other man would be seen. But Jesus now has done something that uh, is pointing towards his deity. We was looking here in times past in John chapter number two when uh, uh, Jesus, or the Bible said in verse number four, Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And we find the marriage of Cana when uh, Mary was inquiring of Jesus to do something about the fact that there was no refreshments uh, at the marriage. And Jesus was saying to her, my hour is not yet come. It is not that time uh, quite yet that I am going to do what it is that I come to do. What is it this morning that he come to do. Now I want to remind us this morning, we looked last Sunday morning at what it was to have the Holy Spirit of God on the inside. How to know that we are indeed saved by the grace of God. I want to say to you, it is the will of God for you to know 
that you know, that you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's not a mystery that God wants to hang you out over as if you could never tell if you were saved. It's not God's will for you to go down through the, the days of your life uncertain or unsure or always questioning. But it's God's desire that you would know. And so we look at some things in the word of God. And the Bible says here in Matthew five seventeen, Think not that I am come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And so we know that it's Jesus, uh, he came to fulfill the law. Now we talk about how his ministry was the latter three years of his life, but can I say to you, his ministry began at the beginning of his life. And what that means is, is Jesus Christ was the sinless, perfect Lamb of God. And Jesus was doing what he came to do from the very moment that he was born uh, onto the face of this earth. And that was to live a perfect life to fulfill what you and I did not have the ability uh, to do, right? And so we see that. But Jesus now, uh, having been fulfilling the law, having been doing what he came to do, he is beginning to work some miracles to point, Brother Marvin, to a lost and dying world as to who he is and what he had come for. Now what's interesting to me is you find in chapter 6 and verse 2 that there was a great multitude following him. Why? How do you get, how do you get a following? Well, there must be something that someone sees that it brings admiration or uh, they, they, they have a desire to see you do more of what it is that you're doing. And so there was a following. But isn't it interesting, we go from verse 2 to him having a following to verse number 41 where the Bible said the Jews then murmured at him. So he had a following and then the Jews now are murmuring at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. You know what we're talking about right here? We're looking at the virgin birth. He's the bread that came down from heaven. He didn't come, now listen Brother Marvin, you didn't come from heaven. I didn't come from heaven. I was created in the image of God, but I never come from glory. I come from the womb of my mother. And they seen Jesus as Jesus come from the womb of Mary. But Jesus is now saying behind these miracles that he's doing to the crowd that is following him, I am that bread which came down from heaven. You know what happened then? The Jews slammed on the bricks. And they said, hold up right there. Now, yeah, we see what you've done with the bread. We see what you've done with the fish. But you're stretching it to our imagination if you expect us to believe that you came from heaven. They got caught at the virgin birth. Now, there's a lot of people this morning that are hung right there at the virgin birth. There's a lot of hang-ups with a lot of people in a lot of areas of the Scripture because they don't take the Word of God by faith as the Word of God says what it says, but right here, the Bible said in verse 42, and they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Right here, they're, they're, they're denoting, they're, they're tearing down to those that are in their hearing what it is that Jesus said. How is it, so they're calling question, that he saith, I came down from heaven. They're, they're, they are not agreeing with what Jesus said about his own birth and his own being upon earth. Now there's a lot of people this morning that will agree that Jesus was a man. That historically speaking, Jesus lived on this earth. That Jesus was a good man. That Jesus did die. But they do not believe that Jesus was born by a virgin and was the sinless, perfect, uh, only begotten son of God who came from glory by way of the womb of a virgin. And so they're caught up right here. They, they can take a lot of things, but they can't take that. There's a lot of people that can take a lot of preaching. They can take a lot of statements that you have to make about God or Christ. But when we, got, when we start getting down to the nuts and bolts of who he is, how he came, what he had done, what he was for, they instantly want to get caught up and balk at it, if you will, and they just cannot believe. Now, there was no one that day that did not believe that Jesus, or excuse me, over in the earlier part of the chapter, that Jesus did multiply some loaves and multiply some fish. Why? Because Jesus showed them. He exemplified it. 
He'd done a miracle that pointed towards something. Now, interestingly enough, I want you to know uh, that Jesus was one that healed all kinds of problems and diseases, right? He made the, the lame to walk. He made the dumb to speak, the deaf to hear, the blind to see. I mean, he took what was wrong with the body and fixed it, right? Now, you understand what's wrong with you today spiritually is your flesh. And everything Jesus done, he done pointing to your spiritual problem. He uses that of the home and marriage to show our relationship between Christ and the church. He uses our members and he healed, he healed parts of the body to show that he had what it took to fix a problem with the flesh that no physician could do. Take the woman with the issue of blood. She had an issue of blood for years. She spent all that she had and was none the better. But when she got to Jesus, Jesus healed her of her problem. Jesus is showing I can do what nobody else can do. Can I say to you this morning, I want to present to you, Jesus can still do what no one else can do. You have a problem this morning. You were born a sinner on your way to a devil's hell. And only Jesus Christ can fix that problem for you. No one else, no other way, for there's no, there's no other way but through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you want to get to heaven, if you want to get to glory, if you want to get to God, you go through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who came down as the living bread from heaven. Now, Jesus has a lot of names. We know him as a lot of things. Why? Because he's a great big God. And he does a lot of things. He wears a lot of hats. That's why he's going to need all them crowns, brother Shane, when he comes back to get the church, or comes back with the church. All right, so what are you saying today? And I'm saying that Jesus in this light is looking at himself and portraying himself to the Jews as the bread. Why? Why? Well, you go back to that of Egypt and you, you remember and you find that God did provide manna for his people. God did send the bread from heaven, right? God did feed his people that were brought out of Egyptian bondage. So he's looking at some things here. But I do not think that it is coincidental that we find this particular miracle has nothing to do with healing the flesh. In John chapter number 6, Jesus, when he multiplies the fish and he multiplies the loaves, what is he showing the people? He's not healed anyone. He's not fixed anyone's sight. He's not fixed anyone's hearing. He's not fixed anyone's voice. He's not fixed anyone's walk. What has he done? Why? What purpose? What was this miracle showing that Jesus had the power to do? Now, I want you to notice two things that we find here concerning this miracle. There was a crowd of people, a multitude. A multitude that was interested in following him because they had seen the miracles that he done. They had witnessed him heal the sick and the blind. I mean the, the, the lame and the blind and the dub. He, they'd witnessed these things. Well, what, what's happening right here is they're crowded together and they're hungry. It's cut to the point where they need some food. Now, it's interesting. Jesus, what does Jesus feed them? Now, first of all, there was no food. There was a lad that happened along that had some loaves and had some fish. This lad didn't happen to have corn on the cob or green beans. He had loaves and he had fish. Say, so what does that have to do with anything? Well, we find in the scriptures that Jesus specifically has something to say about the fish and the loaves and bread in other areas of the word of God. So it's not coincidental that we're dealing with fish and bread here that is being fed to these, uh, this multitude. But I want you to see Jesus not just healed diseases as part of his uh, showing of his deity, but now, Brother Shane, he's using something that's minimal, something that's too small, something that's not adequate, and he's doing a big work with it. Now, he shows us the miracle of spiritual multiplication. Jesus is going to multiply in a way that man in his carnality and in his flesh cannot do it. So now Jesus went from showing that he can do something for the flesh that man cannot do. Now he's saying he can do something with flesh that no man can do. Notice with me, if you will, what is the fish? What does the fish represent? 
Jesus went and talked to James and John, the sons of Zebedee, called Peter out of the boat and said, I'm going to do what with you? I'm going to make you fishers of men. What was it, and we, we're, we've looked at the principles of fishing in the past, but what, what he was essentially doing was taking these fishermen who knew something about fishing and showing them this is what you're going to do. These principles are what you're going to apply to catching a lost and dying world. So now we see that there's fish, but the amount of fish was not adequate. <laughs> now listen, I was caught one day by the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody went fishing and reeled me in. And I seen from the Holy Ghost of God that I was a sinner on my way to hell in need of a Savior. And I got caught. Then I got cleaned, praise God. And then I was fit for the Master's use. And so I want you to understand something. This body, as we learned last Sunday, is the temple of God. It's not our own. We were bought with a price. The fish, if you will, that were caught were, are to be cleaned and then they're to be cooked and they're to be utilized and used for nourishment. You and I are not here for ourselves. Saved, born again believers are here for a lost and dying world to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had to clean us up first, right? I don't know about you, I don't like my fish with eyeballs and them still breathing, amen? When I eat fish, I want them to be good, filleted out right, no bones in the way, cooked just right, and I want to eat them and I want them done. I don't want sushi. I want fish, amen, that's cooked. But what we find here is Jesus has, has taken these fish and we're seeing the, the miracle of spiritual multiplication. What did he do? He multiplied the fish. Now, you would agree with me this morning that if there's going to be any fish caught, the Lord's going to have to do it. Right? If there's going to be any fish caught, the Lord's going to have to do it. Peter, in his ability to catch fish and in his duty or his job, his, uh, what he was known for, the living that he made was that of fishing. But he wasn't able to catch fish all the time. But when Jesus took him and taught him about the principles of fishing and that he was going to make him a fisher of men, he showed him that night, brother, or that day, brother Marvin, that after he'd fished all night and didn't catch anything, that if he'd be obedient to the will of God or the will of Jesus Christ, that he would have his nets full. So Peter has learned. Peter understands that although he is not adequate all the time to catch fish, the Lord Jesus Christ, by being obedient to his word, fish can be caught. And so now we're seeing fish and bread. Now, if you will look with me, we've just found out that uh, verse 41 says, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. Now, Jesus is the bread. When we look at John 6, we see the bread and we see the fish. The fish is representing something, Brother Shane. The fish is representing you and I that have been caught. The bread, if you will, is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is being given, if you will, to the multitude? The fish. Who served the multitude? The disciples. The disciples who were to go out and catch more fish, right? So the disciples are serving the fish and the bread. But notice, if you will, now you do understand the church today is the one that's going out to a lost and dying world and compelling them to come in. We're, we're not the bread. But we are offering the bread. Amen. I didn't cook the bread. I didn't make the bread. I'm just presenting the bread to you and saying, here's some good warm bread. You need to eat and take of this and get this on the inside of you because when this gets on the inside of you, it's going to make a difference in your life and how you feel about life. Right? And so now you also understand no one eats bread that's not hungry. You eat because you're hungry, right? All right, and so you can't make somebody eat that's not hungry, but boy, if they ever get hungry and take of that thing, it fills a void, does it not? And I want to remind you this morning that everybody that's born uh, on this face of this earth is born with a void that they cannot fill on their own. And people are trying to do all kinds of things today to bring them happiness, to bring them pleasure. Is it not interesting today that someone can get something that they want really bad and it's not but just a short time and they're off to the next thing that they want even more bad than that. And when you get that under control, they're off to the next best thing to have. And, and it's never satisfied. People are never satisfied. If you had 20 more thousand dollars in the bank every year, you instantly could think of things you could do with that money. But at the end of it all, after you got used to having it, you'd want about 20 more thousand to add to that so that you could do a little bit more with that. Godliness with contentment is great gain, right? 
but people are not content. But I am satisfied this morning because it is well with my soul. There is something that God satisfied in my life that no one else could satisfy. An itch that I could not scratch if you allow me to put it like that. But God got something to my life that no one else could. And you can search till you're dead, friend, for all of the pleasures of this world and never find complete and full happiness. And it's interesting to me as much effort as goes in to doing this and this and this and this and that to bring happiness. We lose one, one part of that or one factor of that and we're down in the dumps and, and life couldn't be no more harsh, you know. It's just awful and you lose your happiness. One little thing in your life changes that's not quite as good as you want it to be and you've lost all your joy. You lost all your happiness. What happened to all the other things that you've got, that you work for, that you give your life for, that you worked extra hours on the job to have, to obtain more, to get more, to have more, and then suddenly something comes up that knocks the wind out of you. Oh, your life, it couldn't be any worse. Friend, Jesus will give you something that doesn't do that. He'll satisfy you. So he eats the bread. And Jesus is the bread that cometh down from heaven. Now, safe folk represent fish that have been caught. But what I love about this is when you see fish right here multiplied, you also see the bread is multiplied. See, we're, we're wanting to see people get caught, right? But it's people getting caught, friend, that's doing what? We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For, for, for it's the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the cross is them that perish foolishness. But to us what you're saying is the power of God, amen. The preaching of the word of God. Who are we preaching about? Out, what is this treasure that we talked about that you have an earthen vessel? It's the Holy Ghost of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified because he can do something for you no one else can. And so Jesus is the bread. You don't find the fish apart from the bread. They are together. And when you see the fish multiplied, you see the bread multiplied. The more fish that we have multiplied, the more gospel that should go out. If the bread, if the fish is being multiplied, the, the gospel should be multiplied. And the more that the gospel is multiplied, the more bread is spread around. Because what I love about it is you can have the bread inside of you, Brother Shane, but I can have the bread inside of me, praise God. When Jesus was here in the flesh, he was only here with those that could be around him in that moment. Why was there a multitude? They were all gathering around one human. But now that Jesus is gone, if you'll take of the bread, the bread can be in you. I don't have to be in a multitude to be where Jesus is at. Jesus is already with me. All right, so Jesus told them, uh, basically, he taught them that when they couldn't fish, he could, right? We know that. When they learned he could multiply their catch, he is now teaching them that he can stretch the catch past what that catch could naturally do. So what are we seeing here? We were caught. I'm not sufficient to get to a multitude. I'm not sufficient to provide for that amount of people. But Jesus took what was insufficient and made it sufficient. And Paul taught and taught in the word of God that his, uh, his sufficiency was of God. So here's what it is. He's taught the disciples, now you're going to go out and catch men. But he's reminding them and teaching them here that you won't do it apart from me. The Bible said, I am the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The branches is, a, is connected to the vine, but the branches do not get the nutrients or the things that the, it needs apart from the vine. The roots to the vine, the roots to the trunk, if you will, run deep. But it never gets to the branches unless it goes through the vine. You don't have what it takes, but he does. Can I say when it comes to your salvation, you don't have what it takes, but he does. Can I say to you that, that are saved by the grace of God, you don't have what it takes to be what God wants you to be, but he does. And he's teaching here that, that uh, he can take a catch that's insufficient and make it sufficient. Amen. I thank the Lord for that. Now, as we go on, let's look at verse number uh, Let's look at verse number 41 again. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? They were mesmerized enough to form a crowd. They were mesmerized enough to follow him everywhere he went. But the second that he talked about the virgin birth 
or pointed to the fact that he come from heaven, they balked on him. They stopped right there. They couldn't take it anymore. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Notice this. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? You know what they were relying on? What they knew. (laughs) You know what's sending people to hell today? They're relying on what they know. They're not relying on what he knows. See, it did not matter what they thought they knew. It only mattered what the word of God said. People will die and go to hell in their sin because they are relying upon what they know. What they know is not sufficient. And the problem is they were only believing in what they seen. People are only wanting to believe in what they see. But they're not willing to believe in what Jesus said. Now, as we consider this, the Bible said in verse number uh, let's see, 14. Uh, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, this is the multiplying of the fish and of the loaves, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. They had no doubt believing that there was something special about him. But he wasn't special enough for them to believe that he could heal what they needed healed or that he could do what he came to do. There's no doubt that people believe in a Jesus. But the problem is they don't believe in him as Lord and King. Now how do we know that that's the problem? Look with me if you will in verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Now what were they going to do? They were going to make him a king. But Jesus wasn't a king. Jesus is not a king. Revelation chapter 19 says he is king of kings. Lord of lords, Jesus is not looking for you today to make him a king. Jesus is not this morning looking for you to make him a Lord. If you want to get saved by the grace of God this morning, he'll have to become the king. He'll have to become the Lord. Lord of lords and king of kings. And until you put him in his rightful place, friend, in your life, he will not save you from your sin. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says in verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. Now we know Revelation 19, 16 says, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords. He doesn't come back with the church, those that believed in him as a king. He doesn't come back as, the, as a lord. He comes back as the king and the lord. Now, we, it's interesting because we, we find in Philippians chapter number 2, if I can get my place here in my Bible, Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know what's wrong with you this morning? Your mind isn't the same kind of mindset Christ Jesus has. Your, if your mind don't get the, if you don't have the same mind Christ Jesus has about himself, you're going to go to hell. They didn't have the same mind Jesus had right here. They bought. They didn't believe him for what he said. But he says in Philippians chapter number two, Paul says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God. You know what, what problem they had? They had a problem that he had established himself as something they didn't see him as. They seen him as the son of Joseph and Mary, not the son of God. Sure, he was doing miracles. Sure, they treated him even like a prophet, but they would not give him the status that he deserved. Until you put him in your life the status which he deserves. Till you realize he is the only way to salvation. Till you are willing to make him the Lord and the king of your life. You will not die. You will not die and go to heaven. You will die and go to hell in your sin. Because he's not here for you to make him as somebody else. He's not here to play second fiddle or equal to anyone. He's here to be king and Lord of your life. And so the Bible says here, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth. Now who exalted Jesus? God. 
God also hath highly exalted him. And God had given him a name. Now we're to recognize him as the king. And as the Lord. But we better recognize that he has these titles not because of you. And not because of me. And we don't have the right to strip him of the title. He is the king. He is the Lord. But the problem is he's not become your king and your Lord. But God hath given him this name. And the Bible said, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I've made this statement before. This is nothing new, but you'll either confess it now or you'll confess it later. If you won't see him as the king and the Lord, you will one day. But notice with me, if you will, uh, Romans chapter number 14. Romans chapter number 14. And I want to read to you verse number 9. Notice this. For to this end, Romans 14 and 9. For to this end Christ both died and rose. And revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. You know why he come? He come to be the Lord of all. You know what their problem was? He came, yet they did not recognize him as their Lord. They did not recognize him as the Lord. They wanted to make him a king, but not the king. And so we continue on here. The Bible said, for this in Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. Verse 11 says, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. But notice this. Brother Shane mentioned this in Sunday school this morning. Said, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to what? To God. Who are you going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to? <laughs> You're going to have to look at God and say, I confess to you, God, that Jesus, your son, is the king and the Lord. You know why? Because God wants to make it very clear that God made him the king and God made him the Lord and you didn't have anything to do with it. What you better do is accept it. You'll not change it. You're not making it what it is. You denying Jesus as the king and the Lord is not hurting him. It's hurting you. Why? Because his father already told him he was the king and the Lord. And it's God that's going to look at his son one day and tell his son, go get your bride. Go get the church that you died for. And there's a lot of people, let me say this while I'm at it, they mock the church and make fun of the church and talk down about the people that make up the church and everything else. I'd be careful, friend, mouthing off about Jesus' wife. You know what? I, I can take a lot of things. But Brother Shane, so help me, if you start making fun of me, my, my wife to me, I'm going to pop notch you on the head. You might whip me, but I'm going to fight till you get me whooped. And what are you saying? I'm saying, well, sometimes we like to talk about the members of the church. Well, if you go back there and start talking about my wife's arm or my wife's leg, I'm probably going to get mad at you over that too. We're members of the church. Now, I get frustrated with members of the church. I don't know about you. But I, have to, I forget sometimes I'm to love the church because Jesus died for the church. And if you won't make him the Lord of your life and you won't make him the king of your life, you at least better leave the church alone today, friend. I'll tell you that because Jesus looks pretty harshly on you looking down on his bride. So as we continue on, the Bible says here in verse 26. Well, let's look at verse 22. I want to grab verse 22 here. The day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save that one wherein two his disciples were entered and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat but that his disciples were going away alone. In other words, what happened is Jesus sent the disciples across the sea. But Jesus, we know, went up into a mountain to pray. They seen the disciples leaving the boat, but they didn't see Jesus. So you know what they done? They stayed on this side where Jesus was at. They didn't care what them disciples done. All you disciples go on. Y'all distributed the bread. You distributed the fish, but you didn't multiply it. So y'all go on, and we're going to stay over here where the one that multiplied all this was at, because he's the one that's working the miracles. 
But the problem is, the day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save the one wherein two his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were going away alone, howbeit there came unto other boats from Tiberias, uh, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, they realized Jesus wasn't on the side they were on. The disciples left, but Jesus is gone. How did he go? They don't know, but they just know that he's not where they are at. So when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. So they crossed over looking for him. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? In other words, how did you get away from us without us seeing it? Now, I want you to notice something, what Jesus says right here. Because I fear there's a lot of people get this close to the Lord Jesus Christ and then lose it and miss it. Look what happens next. So Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles. Now, why do they have a crowd? No, there was a crowd, no doubt, because he had been working miracles. But right now they're searching for him because the Bible says, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Now, Jesus knows all things. And Jesus is saying, the only reason you're here is you're looking for some more of what you got yesterday. You're not here because of the miracles. Well, what's the miracles got to do with anything? I thought he worked miracles uh, to, to point to his deity. Sure, he worked miracles to point to who he was. But they weren't there for him as the king. They were there for him as a king. But here's what they wanted. They wanted some more of what, they, what, God, what Jesus gave them. I find that a lot of people are only where Jesus is at or the people that, that love, or the only people, the, the people that are with people that are saved or the people that are sitting in church or the people that are associated, this religious crowd, they're just here for what Jesus can give them. Well, you know, it won't hurt to go down to the house of God. It ain't really my thing. It's not really my cup of tea. I don't really like being there, but you know, it's not gonna hurt me to be there. Jesus isn't a bad name. You know, Jesus wasn't a bad guy, so I'll go, I'll go. What they can get, but they're not willing to take him for who he was. There's a lot of people where Jesus is concerned that's wanting what they can get, but they're not taking him for who he is. Now he came to work miracles to point to who he was so that people would accept him for who he was that he might perform more miracles. That he might perform more miracles. Say, well, what do you mean there? See if I can find where I, where I need to be here. Matthew 13, 58 says, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Well, I thought he was doing works for their belief. I thought he was doing miracles to cause them to believe. Sure, to believe on him for who he was. When you see him for who he is and for what he done and for, for why he came, then, friend, he'll open unto you miracles that you've never seen before. But if you won't believe in him for who he is, you can forget the miracle. Listen, salvation is a miracle unto God, friend. Amen. Oh, yeah, being born, you know, birth is a miracle. Who, who would deny that, right? It, it, you know, not ever a man and woman that ever come together had a baby that wanted one. God plays a factor in that somewhere, amen. But being born again is as much a miracle as being born the first time. Because what happens? Only God can do it today, friend. So moving on here, he says in verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I send you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were, and were filled. In other words, he's saying you're missing who I am. You're, you're missing who I am because of the interest that you have in yourself. Oh, isn't that, isn't that amazing? They wanted something from him. But they were missing who he was because they were only interested in their self. There's a lot of people today, Brother Shane, interested in their self. And they're missing who he is. And if you live your life interested in who you are and what can be done for you to bring you happiness, then friend, you will die in your sin and you will go to hell separated from God. The Bible said, labor not for the meat which perisheth. What were they there for? They were there to be filled again. The night had passed. They were hungry. You know, they lingered as long as they were looking for Jesus, but eventually they realized Jesus ain't there. We better go find him. He said, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. So he's saying, I give of you bread that would help you temporarily. 
But I also can give you something that would help you for everlasting. Now we live and we move and we have our being because of him. The same God that allowed you to exist on this earth is the same God that can allow you to exist in the portals of glory. Now can you explain to me one moment how you're here? You may in your finite mind be able to figure out some of it, but you can't explain it. You cannot explain the miracle of birth. You may understand the concepts of the action in which it takes to make it happen. I can tell you the action that it takes to happen to be born again. But I cannot explain it today, friend. It's an act of God. An act of God. It's as mysterious as the birth of your literal earthly birth. I can tell you how it happens. I can tell you what you need to do to get it there. But I cannot explain to you what goes on to cause it to come to pass. And nor can you. Nor can anyone. Can I say to you, you can believe in a new birth just as easy as you can believe in an earthly one. He said, marvel not that I say unto you. You must be born again. Hard for the mind to wrap itself around. That's why you have to come with the faith of a child. Child doesn't consider how they got here. They just know they're here. Why do they know they're here? Because mom and daddy said they were. And mom and daddy's their mom and daddy. And this is what happened. This is what I'm here. Marvel not. A lot of people are marveling. He said in verse 29, or verse number 28, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They just interested in these miracles. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him who he hath sent. He's saying you better forget the miracles. And you better get down to the reality of it. The miracles is just something that I've done to show you your bigger problem. You're only interested in what I can do for you in the line of your temporary. But you need to get interested in what I can do for your permanent. And he says here, this is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. In other words, they wanted to do the works that he was doing. What do we have to do to be able to perform what you're performing? He's saying the work of God is for you to believe. Everything about this Bible, everything about this body, everything about this church, hey, is that you might believe on that name which is above every name. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said therefore unto him, What signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? What more could he do by the marvel than he already done? If you're waiting this morning on God to do something, friend, miraculous and mysterious to prove to you that He's God, just go outside, look into the heavens, explain the clouds, explain the sun, explain the universe. You can't do it, friend. You cannot do that. God, the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. What more can He do? What more can He do? Now what does the fish represent? The fish represent one that's been caught and cleaned and then been given. You know what Jesus, what God has done? God caught me and he cleaned me and he changed my life. And can I say to you, God is multiplying my life and doing things with me that I would not have yielded myself to had he not saved me. What are you saying today? They've seen the multiplication of the fish. They seen the fish had been cleaned. They seen the fish had been distributed, yet it did not do for them what they was expecting. They still wanted the sign. Friend, I'm telling you, God give you a sign when he give you a church that loved you and said, hey, this church has come that they might give you the gospel and show you my wonderful works. Having said that, moving on. Verse 31, our fathers did eat manna in the desert as is written, he hath gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. The bread that Moses gave, he distributed. He didn't, he didn't make it. He didn't produce it. He distributed it. And, he, and Jesus is saying the same God that give bread through the hand of Moses is the same God that's given bread through my hand. I am the bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I said unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, is he, is he, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. 
Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. You know why they come to him the second day? They were hungry. But he's saying, if you'll partake of me, the bread of life, you will never hunger. When I got saved by the grace of God, he satisfied a longing in my soul. He fixed a problem that will never need to be fixed again because he done it right the first time, friend. And he says here, but I said unto you, or excuse me, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now I find it interesting, we're finding nothing in here about drink. We're only finding in here about bread. But why does he bring forth this matter of thirst? What is, the, what is this deal concerning this matter of thirst? Matthew chapter number 15 tells us about the Syrophoenician woman. We also understand uh, when we consider John uh, I believe it was chapter number four. I don't remember. There was the woman at the well. The woman at the well. What was the deal with the woman at the well? She came to the well. She didn't have, uh, Jesus came to the well too. He didn't have anything to draw with. But the well is deep, she said. And we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, he began to talk to her. Uh, Let me see if I can find that. The Bible says here, it is John chapter number four. Verse number six. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, uh, excuse me, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. Now we're talking about the bread, the bread from heaven that giveth life as for everlasting. Now he's talking about the, the water uh, that, that, that giveth to the thirst, that should never be thirsty again. Give thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Of course he was. Everything he's doing, he's doing to show that he's greater. Which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drank of this water shall thirst again. Whosoever eateth those fish and those loaves of bread was going to get hungry again. But he's saying, I can give you something that will take care of the longing that you have that you cannot fulfill on your own so that you will never have that desire longing again. I am a satisfied customer of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And the Bible says here, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She's still looking at it from a carnal perspective. Friend, you better get past Jesus being a carnal perspective this morning and start looking at him with spiritual, and spiritual, with spiritual mindset. Said the woman answers that I have no, excuse me. Said the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, uh, thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered, said, I have no husband. Jesus answered unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. Now let me pause right here. Jesus offered her something that would, would bring her everlasting satisfaction. But he did not offer it to her without calling out unto her her sin. He deals with her sin. Notice what he says. He, he, now how did he do it? He's very particular and meticulous in how he done it. But I want you to notice, he gave her the opportunity to set the record straight. (laughs) You know what Jesus is waiting on you to do this morning? He already knows you're a sinner. He already knows your problems. This woman was living with a man and wasn't married to him. Sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. I may never see it, but Jesus already knows it today, friend. And so what Jesus was doing was giving her an opportunity to be honest with him. You know what Jesus is doing this morning? He's given you an opportunity to get honest with him about your sin. I want to say this this morning. 
He already knows it, so you're not, you're not uh, saving any embarrassment this morning by getting saved by the grace of God. You're not hiding nothing from him. Say, well, I don't want everybody in the church to know what I am. Friend, I got news for you. Everybody in the church, if you're lost, will hug your neck and thank God that you got right and got saved. And there won't be one person in this church building look down their nose on you for anything that's in your life if you'll just tell Jesus about it and get it under the blood, friend. So the Bible goes on here and says, for thou hast had five husbands. <laughs> he called all of her sin out. Jesus will show you you're a sinner. And if Jesus is dealing with you this morning about your sin and about your lost condition, this morning's the morning that you better get right with him. It said, for thou hast had five husbands and he whom thou uh, hast is not thy husband. In that sense thou truly, the woman saith unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Oh, She's starting to get, the perception's starting to change because now he's revealing to her things about her that only she knows. Is the Lord dealing with you this morning about some things in your life that only you and him know? See, you're starting to perceive right now, friend, the Lord's been dealing with your heart and you're starting to perceive there may be something to this matter. The Bible says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. You know what the problem's always been? Believing. He that believeth is not condemned. That he that believeth not is condemned already. You sat in God's house this morning in your unbelief, condemned already to go to hell because you do not believe on the name which is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the King and the Lord of your life. The Bible says here, Jesus said, Nor one believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. She's heard of Jesus. She's heard of Jesus. But now Jesus is dealing with her heart. Jesus is talking to her, dealing with her on her sin. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Amen. And so what's he say? He said, Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot. She left what she came to do. What she came to do is not what she left in the mindset of doing. I hope this morning that what you came here for, you leave with a different mindset. I hope whatever brought you down here is not what you pick up and take back home with you today, friend. But she left out to go tell those that were around her about this man and what he had said unto her. Notice this. The Bible said in verse 39, And many of the Samaritans that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. You know what happened? She went and told everybody what she'd been told. Lots of people left as believers that day because of what she had said. She realized that she had heard of Jesus, but now Jesus had come to where she was at. Friend, you do not get to Jesus just one day. Jesus come to where you was at. It's not happenstance this morning that you're in God's house under the influence of the word of God. He wants you to get saved. He wants you to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. Now as we go back to John chapter number 6, the Bible said, uh, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Could be Jesus is right here in the midst this morning trying to deal with your heart, but you will not believe. The Bible says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now right here, people get so messed up in their thinking. And this is where Calvinism and all these things come into play. But I want you to notice something. It's actually the opposite of what people are making this verse out to be. Because the Bible teaches us that whosoever is the elect. This is not pre-election. This is whosoever is the elect. Why? Because Jesus, as we talked about in 1 Peter chapter 1, was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. We talked last week about how predestination uh, means that through the, the predestined Christ, 
to be ordained before the world was formed to go to Calvary and die that my destiny be in heaven and not hell. Hell wasn't made for me and friend, but guess what? Calvary was made for you. You know who made Calvary? Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was not anything made that was, He was not present in. What are you saying today, friend? I'm saying, Jesus, when this world was hung on its axis, there was a place going to be Calvary where Jesus was going to die because He was foreordained to die on Calvary for you. Hebrews 2 and 9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he may, but he by the grace of God should taste death for every, every. Can I say that again to you? Every man. He tasted death for every man. Whosoever will come, whosoever will come shall be saved. So we look at John chapter number 6, verse 37. It said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now we, when we consider the Syrophoenician woman, don't have time to preach on this, uh, but the Bible tells us here that Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. She recognized him as Lord. Now he's coming back as what? The king of kings and the lord of lords. So the first thing she had going for her is she recognized him for who he was. Then the Bible says here, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word and his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. You remember those two loaves and those fishes? There was 12 basketfuls left over. The crumbs was left over. There's plenty for everybody, friend. So then she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now here's what I want you to see. The Syrophoenician woman come and believed. And Jesus didn't turn her away. So what is the second part of John chapter 6 and verse 37? And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Friend, all you got to do this morning to get saved by the grace of God is just come to Him and accept Him for who He is and your sin for what it is, and He'll save you. He said, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Then we see that the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered, said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they that shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, listen now, he that believeth on me, hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. The bread, the, the loaves, the fish, that's temporary. It's not going to do nothing for you. But what I'm giving you will sustain everlasting life. They said, I'm the living bread. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that, that, um, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Now, that confuses some people how the bread can be flesh because when we eat dinner, we eat meat and we eat bread. We eat bread with our meat. But he's saying the bread of life in this context is my flesh. In other words, I'm going to give my body. I'm that bread which came. And I'm going to give my body. My body is the bread that you're going to have to take of. All right, now, I want you to notice this. 
when Jesus hung at Calvary, what did he say in John chapter 19 and th- uh, number 30? He said, it is finished. Then the Bible said, when it is finished, he give up the ghost. Now I want you to know something about bread. Do you eat bread raw? Jesus came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. But it wasn't completely fulfilled until he went to Calvary. Now every man, woman, and boy, or girl that don't accept Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed at Calvary for their sin will go to hell to pay for their own sin. So here's what I want you to notice about the bread. The bread wasn't finished until he went to Calvary. Why did he go to Calvary? To taste death for every man. You know what your death is? The Bible said it's appointed that a man wants to die and after this the judgment. But the Bible also teaches that for those who are not saved by the grace of God, they will be appointed unto the second death. You'll be cast into the lake of fire. Now I don't know if you realize this or not, but do you know how you get bread to be cooked? You have to put it through the fire. Otherwise, you just got dough. Jesus didn't complete everything until he went to Calvary and said it is finished. Do you know why? Because he hadn't suffered death for every man and tasted death for every man yet. So here's what I want you to see. The bread wasn't finished until he went to Calvary. Now, all through the scripture, Brother Marvin, we find that the bread at the Passover was unleavened bread. Which means that bread could not rise. It had no agent in it that would cause the bread to rise. Why was it that Jesus, or or God rather, in the law, did not want them to have bread that would rise? Now we understand that when they left Egypt, they didn't have time for all that. They had to cut a trail and run. But I want you to notice something. We believe not only in the death and the burial. But listen, I serve a God today because he liveth. He was dead. He was buried. The Bible said he gave up the ghost. But then he rose again. Now I don't know if you realize this or not, but I've never seen bread rise that didn't have some age in it to cause it to rise. What this is a picture of is this bread only rose because of God. Jesus was God in the flesh. This bread that come down from heaven, it was finished, it suffered, it tasted death for every man, it went through the trials, the heat of hell, if you will, upon this earth, and it rose. Now it's it's finished, and it's able to be partaken of. And he offers the bread to you, you must take it. The Bible then says here, the Jews therefore uh, strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you shall eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me even shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live for Ever. Now I want you to notice something about this and we're done. When you eat bread, do you know where it goes? Right on the inside. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. When you receive the bread, friend, the bread is on the inside and you are in him and he is in you. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want you to understand something today. Friend, your old life's going to send you to hell. You're in need of a new life. You're in need of, of having Jesus Christ fill the void that you were born with that no man can fill but only God. This morning, if you need to do business with God as she comes to the piano, I want you to uh, take a census of your life. I want you to ask yourself where you are in life. Say, I'm just trying to live a happy life, just happy go look. Paul said, if in this life only I have hope, I of all men would be most miserable. The best this life has to offer, friend, is nothing but misery and heartache. You may not be there right now, but you will be. There's folk to, uh, this morning listening by way of live stream that are at the end of their life. 
had a good life, God blessed them, had money in the bank, health is failing. Can I say to you, the best this life has to offer, it's still full of trouble, friend. It's but a few days and full of trouble. But what you have in Jesus will last for all eternity. And friend, if you're messing with your eternity right now, if you're struggling, if you're struggling, you're just looking at the temporary, you're just considering what's fulfilling for the, for the here and now, you're going to miss an opportunity, friend, to get fulfillment for the here and thereafter. This morning... If you need to do business with God, I want you to do business with God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you need to talk to the Lord, you come, please. I wonder, while every head bowed and every eye is closed, I wonder if they'd be one that'd just be honest. We won't come to where you're at. We won't embarrass you. We won't speak your name. We won't tell it to nobody else. We just want to pray for you. I wonder if there'd be one this morning that just say, Preacher, I've never partook of that bread of life. I, I've never asked Jesus to save me. I, I've wanted what Jesus could offer, but I've never made him the Lord of my life. I've never made him the king of my life. I wonder if you'd just slip your hand up and say, uh, Preacher, would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up quickly. 